Hello, 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 and welcome to the Podcast Spotlight, the offshoot series of the Economical Rise podcast designed for podcast fans and brought to you by podcast fans. I'm your host, Effie, and today I'm absolutely delighted to have Danny Cordy, auditor and podcaster at the Economical Rise podcast. Danny, welcome to the show. Hello, 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 guys, and welcome to another episode of the Podcast Spotlight, I guess. Um, Yeah, so this is a fun little episode that I recorded a while back when I was visiting my wife Effie in the States, and I was half deciding whether or not to even release it at all, but um, I think with recent events and how things have been going for the Economical Rise podcast as a whole, I thought... It would serve as a nice reminder of why I do podcasts in the first place. Plus, you get to find out one of my absolute all-time favorite podcast episodes, which I regard as like the gold standard for podcasting. Okay, so I guess we should get into it. Oh, and I know the uploads have been really, really inconsistent lately, and you know that there is this weird shift in tone for some of the episodes, but Trust me, there is a good reason for that, like a legit one, but I'll get into that at the end of this episode. All right, podcast spotlight on Danny Cordy with Effie as interviewer. Let's go. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Effie. It's uh, great to be here. <laughs> great. So um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. For the first time listeners, uh, what is your podcast about? Uh, yeah, sure. So my name is Danny and uh, I am currently an auditor at KPMG mm-hmm. and uh, my podcast is the Economical Rise podcast and that is about economics in Singapore. Great. Sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the story of your podcast? Like how long you've been doing this? How did you get started and why did you start doing podcasts? Yeah, so um, I started doing, wait, you know, you know what, like, so I told this story like a lot of times to, to a bunch of people, right, when they ask like, how do you get started doing podcasting, mm-hmm. I always told them that you were the one who, who, <laughs> who basically introduced me to podcasts in the first place. Okay. So can you, you know, why, why don't you tell, why don't you tell people like how, how, how you introduced uh, the podcast? Okay, fair enough. So um, I get interested in podcasts, or actually I was introduced to podcasts in 2015 when I started my PhD program. And <laughs> so I was taking the class, uh, it's a seminar class, and one of my reading are about uh, podcasts. And there are several podcasts that mentioned on that reading. One of them is uh, Economical Rise podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, and some other ones. So I started listening to podcasts while I was doing some data entry work. Uh-huh. Um, and I introduced podcasts to you. Uh, and we started listening together and you started listening to podcasts a lot when you're playing Dota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how we get started. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, basically, um, you know, what Effie said. And then 
uh, I think when we first started, we were listening to like economic, sorry, free economics, uh, planet money, mm-hmm. uh, 99PI, mm-hmm. uh, hidden, hidden brain. Those mm-hmm. are the kind of shows, right? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so, so basically I grew to love. I fell in love with podcasting from there. And then when I graduated and came back to Singapore, I was a little disappointed that there wasn't much of a podcast scene there. There wasn't that many, uh, podcasts, uh, in Singapore. So then I decided to start my own podcast because I had a little bit of time before I started work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I'm just wondering why do you choose podcasts over other media platforms such as youtube or instagram or twitter (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um that's a quite interesting question because um the reason why i i wanted to do podcasts and i thought podcast was viable is because i used to uh record music um you know you'll be familiar with that Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Yeah, so so then I was familiar with this uh, audio recording and editing software called Audacity. And so because of that, I thought, uh, you know, with a little bit of familiarity, I thought, you know, voice is easier to edit and record than instruments and vocals. So why not just give it a shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, you know, it's, it's, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, why not YouTube, right? Because YouTube is a uh, you know big potential for for getting a lot of views. Mm-hmm. Well, editing video just takes a lot of work, and mm-hmm. it's very very tedious. It's a lot more work, I think, than just doing a normal podcast. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was why I know YouTube, and you know maybe why not blogs or Instagram. Mm-hmm. I didn't use Instagram before I started podcasting, mm-hmm. and then for blogs, I wasn't really that much of a blogger as well. I you know I don't really like to write. Mm-hmm. write that much i guess okay you I, like I mean, to speak yeah I, to me to me speaking is i, I think speaking is uh, a bit easier although i do write the scripts for the podcast but mm-hmm. you know just just not like in a blog form i guess yeah. okay yeah interesting and you mentioned a little bit about uh using audacity writing scripts mm-hmm. and uh doing some editing mm-hmm. um and for just a normal podcast listener i'm curious what is your production process like? Like, tell us about where do you get inspiration from and how do you choose your topic? And just basically what happened in between having a topic in your mind uh, while we listen on our phone. Yeah, so um, the linear process uh, of production is basically I have an idea in my head about an episode I want to do and then I start to flesh it out on like a script on Google Docs and then, you know, I start to work uh, linearly in the episode how I would envision the different um, segments to, to play out. Mm-hmm. So then this would involve stuff like, uh, you know, if I want guest segments, if I want, you know, friends or, or you to come in and give like a, like a one-liner or something mm-hmm. or to give your thought on something. And then at the same time, you know, how to structure in like the different transitions and the different, uh, music that will, that will help with that as well. So all of this will be fleshed out on the, on, on the Google Doc, on the script itself. And yeah, so then after the script is done, um, then I would go and record. I would go and source for all the music and, mm-hmm. 
And after recording, it is just down to post-production, which is basically involves a lot of editing and then mixing. Mm-hmm. So editing would be like making sure the audio sounds clean, um, getting the right uh, bits and pieces of, of audio to, and then mixing is to, to put it all in place together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was first starting out, um, there wasn't much editing or mixing to do mm-hmm. because uh, the the show was just very simple. It was just me talk reading off from a script. I didn't even edit all like the the uh, the the parts where I messed up, mm-hmm. right? But nowadays, um, because the show is a lot more tighter and a lot more cleaner in terms of the the production, mm-hmm. um, at least that's what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that if I you know, mess up in like a take, I have to do a retake or I have to mm-hmm. edit that out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Or I have to, or I have to always be conscious about, you know, where, where can I cut for time or where I think it's, mm-hmm. it's too long. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, wow. it's quite interesting. Yeah. It's a lot of going behind the scene. It's a, it's a lot. So, so, <laughs> so, so, you know, and, and to give you a sort of rough idea of uh, what happens, right. It, 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 sort of what, what the end product looks like at, in Audacity itself, because this kind of like narrative storytelling kind of format, mm-hmm. it has so many different moving pieces. Mm-hmm. In Audacity, it really looks like it really looks like that. There's like you know five six layers of tracks going on. There's like mm-hmm. one for music, one for guests, and and one for the narrate mm-hmm. one for the narrative vocals and etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Et it's a bit hard to keep track sometimes, but mm-hmm. you know if you listen over and over again, if you're attentive, then yeah, should be fine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's uh wasn't expecting that so much things can go in behind <laughs> one single episode. Yeah, see so, now you know. Yeah, now I know. <laughs> so what do you say um the average time for one episode oh. in terms of production? Oh man. Um I, I don't know, I really can't say. Mm-hmm. It 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 takes a it takes a while. Let's just let's just put it there. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I think one week is a little too tight mm-hmm. in terms of getting it from idea to published episode. Mm-hmm. Maybe more like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there some uh, incident where you started a topic, start recording, but then you decided it's not gonna work and you just let it go? Um, not really, because normally. Normally what I'll do is that I'll, you know, have, have the idea, have the idea of several ideas running in my head, mm-hmm. uh, before I even open the Google Doc to start writing on it, right? Mm-hmm. Or start preparing the script. Mm-hmm. And then also I will be like talking to a bunch of friends, asking their opinion on it mm-hmm. and looking for like different perspective. And then, and only when I think that an idea has enough potential for an episode mm-hmm. in terms of like the angles to cover and whatnot, mm-hmm. then I will, I will, uh, start working on the, the script and everything. So yeah, most of the time when I start on the script, I follow through and finish everything. Yeah. So it sounds like there's even a lot more work even before you start anything. Yeah. There's a lot of audience testing even before you start. <laughs> yeah. You could, you could put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been doing this for over a year, uh-huh. um, and uh, wonder what are some of the things that surprised you uh, during this one year, or uh-huh. something that is completely out of your expectation, or I guess what surprised you the most um, for you changing perspective from a listener to a producer. Um, 
I think what surprised me was how much work actually. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, actually goes behind the scenes because um, you know when you're listening, right? You're listening to like a Freakonomics episode、mm-hmm. or like a Planet Money episode. You don't really think about like what goes behind the scenes or what you have to do to to get this whole episode together, right?、Mm-hmm. But then when you're actually you know、uh, working on the on the episode, doing all the scripting, making sure these thousands thousands of moving parts get together in the right order、mm-hmm. and sound great, yeah, it's whew, it's a lot of work. Yeah, you guys、uh, certainly deserve more credit. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, yeah, my, but, but, you know, that that's only one aspect. I think the the other surprising thing to me was how how rewarding it feels.、Hmm. What do you mean?、Um, how do I put this? Like,、uh, it feels like a project. You know,、mm-hmm. each each episode feels like a project. And when you when you've done all that work, you put in so much time and you dedicate so much effort into into that one. Uh, one project,、mm-hmm. and then to see it finally come together, and to see you know what you've been picturing in your head for like the past two three weeks or a month,、mm-hmm. finally、uh, manifests itself as an episode,、mm-hmm. and it actually turns out, hey, it's it, it sounds pretty much like how you would want it to.、Mm-hmm. Then yeah, it, it's actually a very pretty rewarding feeling. Yeah, because you're a podcast baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like a <laughs> like a podcast baby in a way.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that I can certainly understand what you mean because、yeah. uh, it's so important to see the endpoint. Yeah. What it looked like after you've done everything. Yeah. It it's a、uh, like if for me, I sometimes really need to see the endpoint、uh, yeah. by doing something else because you know doing research is a、uh, a long term project. Yeah. It's not like something you do for a week then there it is you you papers published. Yeah, it's a very long term、uh, effort, and sometimes you just need something that have short circuit in reward. Yeah. Uh, so I certainly understand how you feel. It's rewarded after you see an episode play out. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, compared to when I first started out, when it was very very basic production,、uh, there was no other parts other than just me talking.、Mm-hmm. Compared to now, you know, I can start to sort of see、uh, where your frustrations lie when、mm-hmm. when you talk about you know not being able to see the endpoint.、Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it it takes like weeks and weeks and weeks for me to be able to see like oh where this is going、mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and especially you know when you have so many different parts as well. Yeah,、mm-hmm. you can understand that as well, right? right? Yeah. yeah, and it sounds like it's、uh, sometimes can get really lonely by just doing things on your own. Yeah. So how how do you cope with that? So、um, at first it was difficult and it is lonely, and but you know、uh, most of the time I have you to talk to,、mm-hmm. but then you know. I also set up the community in July, so that's been very helpful as well. It's been、mm-hmm. a great place to sort of bump ideas around, make、mm-hmm. connections, you know, make、mm-hmm. new friends, and、yeah. so yeah, that's been pretty helpful as well. Because whenever we have like the gathering, it's like it's, we're all sharing our experiences,、mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. good to see other people struggling too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> share, share pain, share pain. Yeah, share pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So um, great. So among all the episodes you've um, produced,、uh-huh. if you、uh, were to recommend one or two, since you have two different segment on your show, yeah, to、uh, say a first time listener, yeah, which one or two would you recommend to them, and why? Um. Okay, let's just do one for the podcast spotlight, one for the economical rice podcast one. Okay. Okay, so if I were to recommend, um, for the economical rice podcast, I would recommend the aircon episode because、mm-hmm. I I I really like that episode. <laughs> <laughs> What are some of the aspect you like about this episode? So I I really like how it was, you know, um. A sort of idea that I took because you gave me that idea in the first place, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was really happy with the fact that、uh, even with a seemingly trivial topic like air conditioning,、mm-hmm. I was able to flesh it out into a full episode. And I think also when I talked with、uh, my friend, my colleague、uh, Mayuri, that also I, I think her perspective and the way that that perspective played out in the episode, I thought it was.、Uh, I thought it was really, really interesting to see because、um, towards the end of that episode, right?、Um, I think it can be a little bit off-putting、mm-hmm. because I was saying stuff like, "Oh, you know,、uh, the reason why women feel colder is because of their clothing, right?"、Mm-hmm. And then I was basically saying things. I was, I was basically like complaining, like saying, like, you know, why. Why guys,、uh, you know, they don't get any flexibility in, in their clothing. You know,、mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always so jealous of my female colleagues because their their clothing is like fashionable, but then it's like so loose and baggy, it's like so comfortable, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and but then I also included that that bit at the end where、uh, Mayuri was talking about how you know the different challenges that women face when when they have this extra, this wide flexibility in clothing.、Mm-hmm. I think this is something that you face as well. You know,、mm-hmm. you know like. When you when you go out, when you go to work, you have to、uh, spend time to to pick out your outfit.、Mm-hmm. You have to make sure it matches your、right. your hair or your your manicure or whatever.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a very nuanced sort of a, a conclusion.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, playing on this idea of like different trade offs and、right. you know what you would be willing to accept and stuff like that.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was really happy with、uh, with that episode and how it、mm-hmm. turned out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you ask me, I would recommend the same episode. <laughs> I've seen how much you've grown from just narrating your scripts、yeah. to、uh, how you have so many guests on the show and、yeah. playing different music segment. Yeah, yeah. So I think just from a production point of view, I think that episode is very well produced. Yeah, <laughs> and I like you look at this very. Nuance hit, not really hidden,、uh, but nuance phenomenon from so many different point of view. Yeah, yeah. So, what what's the podcast spotlight you recommend? Wait, wait, wait. Be- before we talk about the podcast spotlight, sure. Wonder, how do how do you feel about coming on and talking in those different segments? It's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty nice to、uh, have a platform to speak your own mind. I guess. Yeah. 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 Although I feel like there could be more talking points <laughs> explaining this phenomenon, but I think yeah, I mean it's a economical rice podcast, so it's <laughs> focusing on economics. Yeah. <laughs> so、um, I guess there's so much you can only do in one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So do you want to move on to a podcast spotlight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure.、Um, 
I think uh, podcast. I believe it was number six with uh, Ling Ling.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and the reason why I recommend that episode because I think that was like the cleanest episode. Because、mm-hmm. like、um, Ling Ling, what, what is, do you mean by cleanest? Yeah, so cleanest as in like、uh, the recording and、uh, the editing and the the way the 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 interview went. It was all so smooth. Okay. Yeah, and Ling Ling is such a fantastic guest,、mm-hmm. you know, because、um, you know she understands like what is it is like being on the other side,、uh, you know, because she has her own show and her show is she basically interviews、uh, people, right?、Mm-hmm. So she knows what she's looking for and she knows how to give responses.、Mm-hmm. So then, you know, when I was asking her all these questions, she gave like you know all these amazing responses, and、mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was it was it was basically a breeze to to interview and to edit as well,、mm-hmm. because it was. Like it, it, you know, her answers weren't weren't too short. They weren't too long. You know,、mm-hmm. so it was just right. And、mm-hmm. I think we managed to close out an interview in like just under fifty minutes or so. So、mm-hmm. it was like,、uh, you know, just chop chop done.、Mm-hmm. Very very smooth and clean cut.、Mm-hmm. And she's you know she she she's a wonderful guest as well. And and she has a wonderful podcast. So、mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely recommend that one.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is one of the the better ones I think. Yeah. Okay, and、yeah. what do you think in terms of content? Nah, speaking from the guest, yeah. Uh, the content. So for that, for Lingling's uh episode, I think she recommended um the BBC's Infinite Monkey Cage.、Mm-hmm. That one was talking about human voice, so that、mm-hmm. was a pretty relatable topic、mm-hmm. uh, in terms of podcasting.、Mm-hmm. And then she, the other one she recommended. Let me see. Oh, it was a Duolingo Spanish podcast. Okay. Yeah, that was also a pretty interesting、mm-hmm. uh, podcast.、Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's yeah. So maybe you could say that in terms of content, it's not the most niche or interesting.、Mm-hmm. But I thought it was、uh, you know fresh enough perspective and you know, in terms of style as well. It's、mm-hmm. certainly varied from what you're normally used to listening. So、mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about having this、um, podcast spotlight segment on your show? It sounds like it's a very great learning experience, and、uh, it's a good way to open your eye to different type of podcast. Oh yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely.、Um, the reason why I wanted to start this podcast spotlight segment, right, was because、uh, one of the goals when I had that I had when I initially started out doing this podcast. Was that I wanted to expand the podcast scene in Singapore.、Mm-hmm. So then I thought that you know、uh, one way to do this would be to、um, uh, you know do my own podcast. But then another way would be to, like to actively promote or to have people uh, uh, recommending different podcasts that they can listen to,、mm-hmm. right? So that more people can listen and more people are exposed to different types of content and different variety.、Mm-hmm. So and and also before I actually did like the podcast、uh, version of it, I did like I think four or five blog articles on、mm-hmm. my own on the website.、Mm-hmm. So I was already recommending different uh, podcasts mm-hmm. Uh, in blog form, but mm-hmm. not in episode form. The reason why I wanted to do in、uh, in episode form was that I thought it would make for great sort of、uh, additional content.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like the main episodes, they take a while to produce.、Um, so,、uh, and especially if I want to be releasing content on like a weekly basis, I think that would be way too difficult.、Mm-hmm. If I was just doing the main show alone,、mm-hmm. so then I thought 
um, you know, the podcast spotlight would be great to come in as sort of like uh, bridge the gap between the the main episodes, and you know, it the the, the production work behind the the podcast spotlight isn't too much, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess it's not that much of an extra burden, and it helps to to build uh, the following as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess that uh, that helps. And oh, also <clears throat> coming from a producer's standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned so much from doing the podcast spotlight actually mm-hmm. in terms of like interviewing and editing and and uh, you know how to structure well not not structuring the narrative but but mainly in terms of uh, interviewing and editing mm-hmm. yeah so I definitely transferred those skills to to helping me out uh, with my with the main show as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah I definitely can see how much you changed <laughs> from doing your podcast spotlight. You yeah. can see now when you interview people, it sounds very smooth, very uh, professional. No, I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I see a lot of progress, as we're trying to say. Yeah. yeah. So, and you mentioned this earlier, that there are so many different podcast varieties in terms of content yeah. and formatting. Yeah. Um, so... I guess from your own experience um, and the mistake you've made on your own, yeah. what are some of the bad adv- advice that you've heard that you think someone considering starting a podcast should avoid? Uh, okay, so my view on this, right, is that I think that failure is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Or making mistakes is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because especially when you're starting out doing something that you're completely unfamiliar with, and I don't think a lot of people are familiar with uh, you know, the amount of work that goes behind producing a podcast, mm-hmm. I think it's perfectly fine to make mistakes. Because mm-hmm. when making mistakes, you get to learn, and then you know it pushes you to find out, it pushes you to want to do better. Mm-hmm. So... So I don't know. I guess I guess maybe the only bad advice um, that I think people should avoid mm-hmm. is that to just stick you stick as you are mm-hmm. and not try to improve, mm-hmm. or or to be just comfortable with where you're at, mm-hmm. because unless you are already like some mega mega famous or mega popular podcaster, right? Mm-hmm. There is always going to be room for improvement, mm-hmm. right? In terms of marketing, production, audio quality, content. There's there's so many things that you can do to, to just keep improving mm-hmm. and improving and, and building a listener base and improving mm-hmm. the listener experience and so on. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you are unsatisfied with where you are currently at, mm-hmm. I think the worst advice that anyone can give to you is to just say, be comfortable with where you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you've tried so many different type of <laughs> formatting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From narration to rant, yeah. <laughs> the storytelling, audio drama, yeah. until now the Malcolm Gladwell type of storytelling. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which I really yeah. like. Yeah. But uh, I see your point that you keep trying different type of formats yeah. and figure out what is the best. I think I think at one point you were like complaining, right? Mm-hmm. You were like, <laughs> you were like saying like, when are you just gonna stick to one style? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's good to explore different type of uh, formats, yeah. but I, I think you need to have your own staple too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you, you also just get started, just being one year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's okay to explore different type of things yeah. and see what works the best for you. Sure. Yeah. So um, let's see. I think the last question I have, uh, it's... Um, what are some of the topics that you like to explore in future episodes or what do you look forward to in terms of doing podcasts in the rest of 2019? Um, yeah, so I really don't know what to say here because I'm not, sh- I'm not sure when this episode is going to be out. <laughs> <laughs> Good so, point. so, I mean, stuff I say here by the time this episode is released might have already been released. <laughs> in 2020 now yeah so let's just say that um there's gonna be bigger and better things to come in 2019 (laughs) yeah but but yeah so you know before we uh move on to talking about the podcast right Mm -hmm. um effie why don't you explain why you're interviewing me today (laughs) because uh i don't want to be interviewed Yeah, so 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 yeah, basically um before I so so we're currently um in Madison right now. I'm recording this uh on my visit to to Effie in the United States. And before I came over, I was like bugging Effie saying that hey, we should record a podcast spotlight because you know, you've been Effie's been on the uh, Economic Rise podcast a couple of times now. And I think it'll be fun for listeners to to know or learn more of you, right? Mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> then you know, Effie was saying that um, oh, she was she feels like she doesn't belong because you know she doesn't have her own podcast, she doesn't know what to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you're you're interesting. You got your own thing going, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so why don't you share a little bit about that? I'm pretty sure that the uh, listeners would be interested to find out. Uh, so I'm currently working on my dissertation research. Yeah, so what is it on? Uh, I think you probably released an episode on Dragon <laughs> Baby that I've already talked about my research. <laughs> but sure, I can elaborate a little bit more. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, my current research focuses on um, postpartum depression among Chinese immigrant mothers. Yeah. So um, I did some study before my dissertation looking at uh, the reasons uh, these mothers looking um, to get postpartum depression screening uh, or not. And my dissertation study explores their experience with postpartum depression and mm-hmm. uh, the processes they respond to their postpartum depression. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. And hopefully I can graduate in next May or maybe this May if it's, if it's 2019 now. I <laughs> uh, don't want to graduate in 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so um, my plan is to get a post out afterwards to... Yeah. Um, 
further my research and one of the postdoc um maybe at this point i already know the answer but finger crossed yeah 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 so for that particular postdoc um i'm trying to develop a intervention that uh use transmedia storytelling uh-huh. to uh <laughs> help mothers with postpartum depression i, I shouldn't laugh over there <laughs> because you're you're smelling but yeah so i'm trying to develop a transmedia storytelling intervention uh on um, postpartum depression among immigrant population mm-hmm. and uh one of uh the intervention uh aspect is to use my uh dissertation interview script to write stories and using podcasts as a platform to deliver those stories (laughs) yeah so i thought it'd be nice to uh, get involved in my husband's project (laughs) he's a podcast a little bit to uh, uh, get familiar with uh, podcast production yeah yeah the other day uh, i was working on a couple of episodes and then uh, Effie just came in and she was like, hey, so what are you doing? You know, she's asking me all these questions about about uh, what goes on behind editing and, and, and producing and mixing and stuff like that. So I was like, this is the first time you're asking me. <laughs> I'm like a little intern. <laughs> I have my notebook and a pen ready to yeah. ask you, what are the software you use? What are the mic? Where you get it from? <laughs> yeah. Where did you get the headphone? Yeah, yeah. How to use Audacity? Yeah. Where did you get the music from? Yeah. What website you use? Yeah. Every single detail. Yeah. So so it's great, and you know here here you are. You're practicing your interview skills. Although you've been interviewing people for a while now, so you're pretty good. And the questions you had were pretty good. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm not used to uh interviewing for podcasts. <laughs> It's kind of weird to uh, talk into a mic. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you know someone so well. Already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have to pretend that it's, uh, what, fifth time you've met them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this has been fun. talk enough about you and enough about me uh, let's uh, get into the real business uh-huh. so um, what would be the po- first podcast you recommend to your guests okay. or audience okay so uh, the first podcast um, that I'm recommending is called 99% Invisible and the episode in question is episode number 130 uh, Holdout yeah mm-hmm. yeah would you tell us more about um, podcast 99% Invisible? Yeah, so um, when Effie asked me to, you know, came up with the idea to, to do a podcast spotlight on me, <laughs> I thought it would be interesting to sort of to sort of share two of my, I think, all-time favorite, mm-hmm. all-time favorite podcast, uh, podcast episodes, and one of them just happens to be this one from 99% Invisible. This episode has just stuck in my head after all these years. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible, incredible episode. But before we get into that, so 99% Invisible is a show that is mainly about 
uh, design and architecture. So it's kind of like economic. It's kind of like uh, free economics in a sense that you are looking beneath the surface of uh, society and trying to see where all these different parts come from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the creator and the host of the show is this guy called Roman Mars. And if you do not know Roman Mars, he has the smoothest voice in podcasting. Yes. 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 <laughs> right. This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. In 1914 in Manhattan, the city government took ownership of an apartment building belonging to a guy named David Hess. Even even though, um, you know, and, and, and the funny thing about Roman, right, is that if you actually go and, and look up his picture online, he looks nothing like... Okay, so Effie <laughs> is actually trying to look up Roman Mars right now. I've never actually Googled his image. Yeah. Roman Mars. So go ahead. So if you were to Google Roman Mars, you oh. would look nothing like his voice. Wow, that's very unexpected. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's not to say that this is a good thing or bad thing, but just to, to show that, you know, uh, the voice... The beard, though. The beard, though. <laughs> the, vo- <laughs> the voice is a very powerful medium, and it it, it is a very uh, sort of intimate kind of thing. But anyway, so, <clears throat> so Roman, um, he has a long-standing team of producers and editors uh, at the show at 99PI. And I just have to mention some of them here. Called, uh, they are Avery Truffleman, Katie Mingle, Kurt Kosher, Delaney Hall. And, you know, the reason why I want to mention these these people because they often play a sort of co-host or, you know, co-producer kind of role where they're also narrating different parts. And most of the time, they're doing most of the legwork uh, for the episode, uh, for the episodes itself, in, in you know, including like sourcing for the guests, doing the interviews and stuff like that. So, um, it would be I would be remiss not to mention uh, these people as well. And the team at the moment is huge. The last I checked, they have eleven people, and uh, which allows them to produce, uh, constantly keep producing content because these producers are, you know, I, I would imagine that they are. Um, constantly out producing uh, individual episodes and, mm-hmm. and for the show as well. Mm-hmm. So, and at the moment, I think they have like over 300 episodes, right? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah so it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so in terms of the format, uh, the show is very, very tightly produced. And, you know, when I listen back now, I realized that it actually moves really quickly between segments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is well curated. It's well paced. There's just, you know, tons of uh, various segments and, and guests. And I guess I would say that this actually, this uh, podcast actually, I think, gears more towards reporting and journalism rather than, you know, maybe being reflective or, or trying mm-hmm. to, trying to produce like a, th- like a think piece, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, what the real strength of the show is, is uh, the way that they are able to pull out these incredible human stories mm-hmm. uh, out of the uh, design and architecture episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that for me is, I think the biggest draw. You know, what, what, what's what's uh, what's your biggest draw from this uh, from this podcast? I wasn't expecting that question. Huh? <laughs> 
I would say it's something you take him for granted, but you didn't know there's such a big story behind it.、Mm. So I guess my biggest takeaway is not to take anything for granted、mm. and look into stuff that seems so nuanced、yeah. or、uh, ordinary.、Yeah. There's no ordinary subject. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In terms of like.、Um, Especially with a topic like design, right?、Mm-hmm. Because like、uh, we normally, when when we interact with the world, we don't think about the way that things are designed、mm-hmm. uh, specifically for users and their experience.、Mm-hmm. But through through this podcast, you get to learn about、uh, so so much of、uh, you know the decision and the thought process and the decision making behind why things were designed a particular way.、Mm-hmm. I think that's what you were talking about, right? The looking, not、yeah. taking things for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you, what do you mean by the human stories? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I guess this is a a, a great segue to talking about the episode, right?、Mm-hmm. Because this episode is whoo an incredible story. So,、mm-hmm. all right, brace yourself for this. All right, so <clears throat> episode one thirty holdout. Holdout is the story of a little feisty old lady named <laughs> <laughs> named Edith Maysfield, and it is the story of her and her tiny house. Now, what what am I、uh, speaking of here, right? So, in the early two thousands,、uh, the area where Edith lived, it was this town called Ballard.、Uh, it was annexed into the larger Seattle area. Seattle is of course Seattle is of course a large city in the、uh, northwest region of the United States. And you know, during this period, there was huge growth and development happening. And where Ballard used to be, this small, sleepy town of like little shops and houses, now it was being transformed to be more city-like, with like condominiums and malls and you know apartment buildings and so on.、Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can imagine this Ballard town can be so relatable for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, a lot of places have、yeah. a town like that. So I guess that's why it's so relatable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and this is where sort of like the the design or architecture sort of aspect, I guess, comes in, right?、Mm-hmm. Because you know, as you said, this this happens all around the world. And、mm-hmm. this episode, it is sort of touching at you know the larger issues at hand of like gentrification or you know a、uh, uh, rapid economic development、mm-hmm. and 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 so on.、Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess. This episode as well, I think it was trying to touch on the theme of like developer bullying,、mm-hmm. and you know even in in Singapore as well, you could relate this to issues like the on block and、mm-hmm. so on.、Mm-hmm. Um, but what was、uh, unique about this story,、mm-hmm. and about this little old lady Edith Maysfield,、mm-hmm. was that she relented.、Mm-hmm. See, she said no. Mm-hmm. When the developer said, "You know,、uh, I want to build a mall over this area. Will you be willing to sell your house?" She said, "No." And slow she slow clap for her.、Hmm? Slow clap for her. Yeah, slow clap for her. And she kept saying no. So you know, at at the time, this、uh, private developer, they were trying to build a mall where she lived, 
And you know, since it's you know it's for private purposes, right? You they don't have much options other than trying to pay their way for her house.、Mm-hmm. So they kept offering and offering and offering, but she always refused. At one point, you know, they even offered her seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a house when it was only appraised at like a hundred and twenty k, and she still said no.、Mm-hmm. Right. So eventually, the developers just thought, screw it. Um, if this lady, if this lady doesn't want to move, then you know we would just build around her,、mm-hmm. and that's what they did. So, so at this point,、um, construction began.、Uh, the, you know, it was like constantly trucks were moving in and out, workers were moving,、mm-hmm. and you know the media was starting to get drawn into this story as well because. It had this sort of David versus Goliath feel to it. I think they were getting drawn to the narrative of like, oh, big bad construction company bullying, bullying this little old lady, right?、Mm-hmm. And 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 here is where the 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 beauty of the episode comes in because、um, as we learn in this episode, there is a lot more to it than just this narrative than that's、mm-hmm. being pushed by the the news and the media.、Mm-hmm. Uh, because in comes this guy called Barry Martin.、Mm-hmm. So Barry Martin, Barry Martin was the project super superintendent of the mall development.、Mm-hmm. Basically, he was in charge of making sure that you know all the construction work and everything went smoothly, right?、Mm-hmm. So, according to the media, so so if we were to go by the media's narrative, he would be labeled as one of the bad guys, right?、Mm-hmm. You know, one of those big bad developers, but. Instead, Barry is the exact opposite. So he would constantly check in and drop in to see how Edith was doing. You know, he would even leave his business cards, and he would keep telling her, you know, to say, "Hey, if you ever need anything, you know, please call. I'm, I'm here. I'm willing to help."、Mm-hmm. And then eventually, even this feisty old stubborn lady relented.、Mm-hmm. And one day,、uh, she called Barry and said that you know she needed a ride to go get her hair done.、Mm-hmm. And you know because of that,、uh, you know obviously Barry、uh, gave her the ride. But then because of that, Barry and Edith would spend a lot more time together. And as the you know, Barry would also take her to all to meet all of her different appointments. And you know he would he would get to know her a lot better, learning you know about who about how she was you know not even upset that her community was changing you know how she how she she was able to accept that change was inevitable、mm-hmm. you know and that really contrary to what the media was saying about her story,、mm-hmm. she didn't really mind the noise and the bustle of construction work, but actually just loved having company and people around.、Mm-hmm. So. It's at this point, I think, that the larger story uncovers because, where on its surface it seems to be a story about gentrification and developers bullying an old lady, I think the larger story here is about old age and loneliness and the value of human contact and forging relationships.、Mm-hmm. You know, like. For all the TV reporters who presented this story and who tried to talk to Edith, it was really the superintendent Barry who got to know Edith best, and as a result, was able to take 
her in beyond just the image of just this, you know, stubborn old lady who wouldn't sell her house.、Mm-hmm. And it was true, Barry, that we got to learn about Edith as a person.、Mm-hmm. You know, someone who was an avid reader, someone who loved old music and old movies. Mm-hmm. And who even once wrote a huge thousand-page fiction book under the pen name Domellini,、mm-hmm. and you know in- she claims she's a spy for British government. <laughs> yeah, World War Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. As and and as they grew, as they grew closer, you know, she even revealed some crazy stories, just like how. You know, you know, she she told Barry that she used to be a spy during World War Two. Yeah, she's a cousin of.、Uh... <laughs> a jazz player. Yeah, 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 and and how she was、uh, the cousin of、uh, this guy, this legendary clarin clarinist、uh, named Benny Goodman,、mm-hmm. uh, who was this、uh, yeah legendary jazz player.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, towards the end of the story,、um, Edith, as she got older and older, she began to feel sick, and eventually she would contract、uh, pancreatic cancer. And she would pass away at the age of eighty-six, and、mm-hmm. I think、um, by that time, Barry had been her main caregiver. You know, she he was he was attending to her most of the time and making most of her meals. And then when she died,、um, Barry had become her power of attorney. Yeah, yeah, even her power of attorney. So you know, he got to decide、uh, a lot of stuff for her.、Mm-hmm. So you could really tell that she trusted Barry, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, when when she died, she even passed ownership of the house to him because I don't think she had any other living family or anyone else to give it to.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so yeah, after a while,、uh, Barry sold the house to an investor. Uh, but this investor didn't do anything with the property, and now it still stands in Seattle, to- Seattle today,、mm-hmm. where it has become somewhat of a small tourist attraction with its own, you know, local folklore around it.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I, I think、um, <laughs> there was a interesting. They also they also mentioned towards the end,、uh, quite quite、uh, interestingly, that. You know, so many people have become moved by Edith's story, right?、Mm-hmm. That I think it has become this symbol of of、uh, of. I think I think it's become stand your ground. Yeah, yeah, st- symbol of like standing your ground,、mm-hmm. like a lo- local cultural symbol,、mm-hmm. right? And you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's there's this there's so much to this symbol that.、Um, Even this local tattoo shop, they they do like a special tattoo of a of a little house, and then they have the word steadfast beneath it. So I thought that was a、uh, an amazing little touch.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is the incredible, incredible story of Edith Maysfield and her little house,、mm-hmm. and that's episode one thirty. Hold on, yeah. yeah. So what what's the thing that you learned most from this episode? What's your main takeaway? Um, will you be just like the festy old lady, <laughs> standing your ground for a big bad investor company? <laughs> you know, I think the the biggest takeaway here would be how Barry approached、mm-hmm. the lady, right?、Mm-hmm. Because I think for ninety five percent of people in Barry's situation, because. 
Barry was the guy who was in charge of getting the project done. Mm-hmm. And basically, here was this old lady standing in her way, right? Well, she's not necessarily standing in her way. They could still do the work around, the work around her. Yeah, but she was just being a, a nuisance in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the finish the finished product wouldn't look as nice if there was like this little house mm-hmm. in the middle of like a mall, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, 95% of people in Barry's position, I think they would have just resulted, resulted to bullying or like trying to, to bribe or pay uh, this uh, Edith out of her house mm-hmm. to get her to move, right? And... And and you know what they they actually did try that, mm-hmm. but then I think what Barry did when he tried to alter his approach, I think that is the biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, this is <laughs> I keep mentioning this so many I've mentioned this so many times in the podcast spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the one one book that's that's been very very influential to me is uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of his his principles as well, mm-hmm. is that, you know, you have to, is that, you know, he keeps mentioning how people always value their own self-importance, mm-hmm. right? And then I think, uh, and then when you want to get to someone or you want to get to, or, or you want to connect to someone, you have to sort of appeal to that self of importance and self-worth. Mm-hmm. So I think what what Barry did well, uh, tremendously well, amazingly well here, was that he did just that. Because he was able to see Edith for the person that she was. Mm-hmm. And he actually took time and invested his own time and effort. And, and he was actually genuinely interested in who Edith was. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, because ni- like, as I said, 95% of, of people in Barry's position wouldn't have seen Edith beyond the point of her just being like a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I had a slight take on that because I feel like Barry himself is doesn't have the conflict of interest with Edith mm-hmm. because he himself is just a superintendent of the construction. Yeah, he doesn't represent the construction site. Yeah, he's he himself doesn't have conflict of interest with Edith. She just he just need to make sure the project it progressively and there's no injury, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I I feel like you're equating him with the company because I what I feel like it, he is not trying to make friend with Edith and trying to convince her to do something else. Mm. He's just there as a human companion mm. to help him. To help Edith out, because I feel like if you say you know his approach is falling, um, how to win friends and uh, makes it sound like he's trying to he's do trying it. to do something else. He's trying to do it because he has an ulterior motive, right? Yeah, but I don't think he has has one because mm. he doesn't have a say in the company about how to deal with this little house. Mm. He is just a superintendent on the site. Is I for me I I think what stand out in this story is just the importance of human companion. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not about how Barry approached her because we don't really know how he really approached. We know he take care of her and take her to 
clinics and get her hair done. We don't really know what's the process like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I think this is so important, and I have a slightly different pers- perspective on the story. Is mm. you know, there's so many older people nowadays that mm. even like we visit my mentor earlier, mm. they build a basement just that they want someone to live there. Mm. Not paying rent or anything, just being there. Yeah. You know, it's when they mentioned that I thought I thought of Edith. Uh, she doesn't mind all the noise and intrude off her privacy. She just wanna see people there. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's my takeaway of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I agree. Mm-hmm. Like um yeah, I I, I guess uh, that is equally important or very, mm-hmm. very important as well. The this idea of like uh, human companionship and how you know lonely it gets when you're getting older right mm-hmm. and you know you know even like the past few days you've been going around talking to some of your uh <laughs> your your research interview mm-hmm. um subjects some some of these uh people you've made friends with over the past you know year few years or so mm-hmm. and then like you know you can tell right you know they appreciate the companion com- mm-hmm. uh, company so much yeah because some of these uh, some of these Chinese moms um, they come here they don't have that many friends right and then you know it can get incredibly lonely mm-hmm. yeah 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 sometimes you just want someone else to be there yeah, yeah. just see a different face yeah yeah, yeah. so I guess um, <laughs> okay so since I had a not so good answer to that question <laughs> no but, that's not it's equally good <laughs> it's just your perspective how you interpret the story well well yeah i i okay so 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 maybe the dale carnegie i think the dale carnegie thing is a bit too much because i didn't want to sort of emphasize the idea of ulterior motive mm-hmm. i just thought that the way barry interacted with the lady is mm-hmm. exemplary yeah, yeah yeah i mean there's human companionship there's kindness and empathy uh not so much about how I wing you over, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't think Barry have the motivation of inherit that house <laughs> and sell it for a good price. Yeah. Or he's a representative of the company yeah. trying to convince this old lady. <laughs> that brings to the end of today's episode thank you so much danny for coming on to your own show (laughs) so for people who are interested in getting in touch with you and your work where can they do so (laughs) (laughs) i think you skipped to the next part i mean if they're already listening to this they would know where to find right yeah but if they are first time listener You know, they're like, what the heck am I listening to? <laughs> What's wrong with this podcast? <laughs> yeah, so you can find the uh, the Economical Rice podcast on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Or you could go to the website at www.economicalricepodcast.com. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And if you like this episode, probably not. <laughs> Please do a big favor by sharing it amongst your friends or by subscribing to Economical Rights Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. <laughs> All links and details to the shows discussed in this episode will be available in the show notes on the website, www.economicalrightspodcast.com. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, for the show, you can drop a message on the social media links below. Once again, this has been your host, Effie, just for this one. And I promise the quality will be much better. It's your real host, Danny, at the Podcast Spotlight. And by Podcast Fans for Podcast Fans. No, we know. The show by Podcast Fans for Podcast Fans. <laughs>
Okay, um, the music that is playing in the background at the moment is the track Beyond Dazed by Broke for Free, and I will link all these materials and, and the episodes in the show notes. This has been the podcast spotlight. Um, I'm your usual host, Danny. In this episode, the host was my wife, Effie. And yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>